So Money episode 422, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wealthfront, the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Visit Wealthfront.com forward slash So Money. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to So Money. This is Ask Farnoosh, a session when I answer your money questions. It's really easy to get in touch. Go to somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh and send me quickly your question for the Friday episodes. And I don't know where I'm catching you today. Maybe you're on the road heading over to your destination for Memorial Day weekend. Hope you're all looking forward to a nice, relaxing three-day break. And if you're not, well, I hope you're having fun no matter what you're doing. And um, thanks for joining us because I know if you are you know, in the midst of a vacation, a mini vacation, listening to a financial podcast may not be what some might consider, quote unquote, fun, but that's why you're so money. And with me, I've got my partner in crime. You know her well by now, hopefully, if you've been listening to the show. Sophia, my trusted assistant and so money I guess you're my biggest fan, right? I am. I am. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who else would it be? Um, Hi, Sophia. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you, Farnoosh? I'm okay. It just, it's kind of funny, guys, because we, Sophie and I both work at a WeWork in Manhattan, and um, we don't actually record this in the same room because we're worried about just um, overlap and um, feedback. And sometimes when our computers are too close together, there's like this weird feedback uh, when we're using Skype. So I'm in this little closet basically down the hallway and she's in our office recording all for your listening pleasure. (laughs) What are your plans for the weekend, Sophia? Anything fun? Well, I think I'm going to go up to our house, uh, my parents' house in Connecticut, and then my birthday is next week, so my dad said we could kick off the celebration a little early. He's going to have a nice family lunch oh, with nice. some of our family friends. Yeah. It's a big one, right? Yeah. It's quarter century. Five. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. huge. I know. Everyone keeps saying that. And I'm sorry. I, I don't want to put pressure on you, but it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> no, it's exciting. It's exciting. But yeah, everyone keeps reminding that it reminding me it's a big one. So we'll um, see what I have in store this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, wh- where's my invitation to like your big gala? I know. I know. No, it's nothing, nothing big. No big plans. Okay. Just, I want it to go under the radar this year. <laughs> okay. It was it, it in like a lamb out like a lion. I think, yeah, I think that's the same. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of pressure to make 25 a big deal. My friends and I are going to go out to brunch the following weekend. So everyone has Memorial Day weekend plans. So we'll see. (sighs) Do you feel any pressure? Like, you know, we just had this guest on. We had Christine Hassler on and she kind of had like this 25. She hit 25 and she had like a, a panic attack and depression and all that. Do you feel like your friends put a lot of pressure on themselves to feel really accomplished by 25 or like to find the meaning of life by 25? Because I haven't figured it out yet. A hundred percent. And I think one of the things that really resonated with me that she said is, you know, we wear busyness like this badge of honor. I know you like that quote too. And I feel like I have so many friends who 
every day it's like, oh, I'm so busy at work today. And it's like, well, are you busy or are you just not being efficient with your time? Right. So, you know, I think I really liked when she said that because I totally relate to that. And I think I face that with a lot of my friends. I almost want to shake them and say, yeah. you know, you're not doing, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> I totally agree. No. If you're always busy all the time. And, you know, Ramit Sethi, who's a friend of the podcast, has been on the show. He has a saying, which is that, you know, you become what you repeat. If you're always saying that you're always busy or you're always tired or whatever, like you become that person, you become that busy, tired person that nobody wants to hang out with. I really like that saying from Ramit. And I think going into, you know, speaking of a big birthday of going into 25, I'm, I think one of the things is I've noticed that amongst my friends and it's tough, but as you get older, I think you really have to weed out some of those people who bring you down or, you know, obviously you want to help your friends and lift them up. But sometimes you just got to realize that, you know what, maybe this person and I have kind of grown our separate mm-hmm. ways and I need to surround myself with people who are supportive and, you know, who lift me up and I lift them up. But, you know, we go on together and, and we want to do things and, and be excited and celebrate. And so I think, that's something that I'm starting to realize as I get older. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I mean, we've heard it before, right? You are the average of the five people you hang out with the most. It's really important. I mean, who you spend your time with. And I think in your 20s, you I did this, you go around collecting friends. I mean, everyone seems like a fun time, you know, like I want to hang out with this person, this person, this person. And you have more time in your 20s, I think, to go out and be social. And you don't feel like there's a need to really exclude anybody. But as your priorities shift, as your life gets, you know, more, I don't want to say busier, but just, you know, you find you have different priorities, your cut the company you keep becomes ever more important. So it's it's there's no easy way to break up with friends. No. No, but if anyone has advice for us, yeah, can you please (laughs) let me know? There's actually a really interesting New York Times article years ago about how to ultimately break up with friends. And in this era of social media, it's quite difficult. Because you're so connected. Do you unfriend them on Facebook because you don't want them to see you hanging out with other people having fun when you told them that you couldn't make it to their event? You know, I don't know. It's just, no, I totally agree. I know there's, there's definitely a science behind it or proper etiquette. Maybe that's, maybe no. that's, maybe there's something behind that, you know, well, that somebody's got to come out with. In the a New book York, or, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, because this person who wrote the article in the New York Times, I thought she was going to have some, or he or she, I can't remember who wrote it, but I thought it was going to have some, magic silver bullet. And it was basically it came down to this. You have to ignore them. Don't pick up the phone when they call <laughs> you. Stop calling them and don't pick up the phone. They'll hopefully get the uh, the point. Um, sometimes they don't, but you can at least try. It's not nice. You can basically, what do you call it? Ghosting? That's what yeah, it, yeah. Ghosting. Ghosting. Yep. All right. We digress, but happy <laughs> early birthday. And um, I will be in town Good. next week. So I'll be wishing you a happy birthday from afar. Thank you. And we have a lot of questions this week per usual. Um, We have a question here from Marco. He's a technical question for us, right? Yes. So he writes in, hey, Farnoosh, love the podcast and would love to put my own spin on a podcast of my own. What equipment did you use to start and what do you have now? You seem to know most of your guests personally. So how did you reach out to new individuals you wanted to interview? So it's two questions here. What? I, how do I produce the podcast? Uh, technically speaking, and then how do I go about getting guests? So, you know, I think one of the first things, one of the mistakes that I made 
And I think I've talked to other podcasters about this. We laugh about this. Like one of the first things you do when you decide you're going to have a podcast is you go out there and you buy all this equipment. You know, I dropped like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I bought a mixer, an audio mixer. I hired a sound engineer to help me in the beginning. I bought this fancy microphone. I bought like a standing desk because I was like, I'm going to be podcasting a lot. I don't want to be sitting on my ass all day. Listen, you don't need any of that stuff. (laughs) I learned the hard way. And ultimately, I have downsized my production technology. And I have, I can tell you, I use right now Audio Technica ATR2100 microphone. I think it's 50 or 60 bucks. I've got it on Amazon. It's light, which I like because I can take it with me easily, throw it in my purse when I travel. I invested in buying a few cables, um, cable cords. This is, I think it's the mini because what I found is that the one thing that breaks down the most, although it's not that often, but it's enough where it could really put you in a bind, is the cable. So one time I was trying to record a podcast and I was getting no audio. My microphone was not being recognized by the computer. I thought it was my computer. I thought it was the microphone. It was the cord, the $3 cord. So I bought a few of those and I have them, you know, on hand in case something like that happens again. So, you know, what are we at? We're like $53 so far for technology. Audacity is free, which is where I record. Skype is pretty free, I think. I might pay a little bit for having a phone number through Skype. And I have a recording tool through Skype called Ecamm, which I believe is like 30 bucks, one-time payment. So under $100 to basically record the podcast. And then, of course, I have my editors uh, that are, that I offshore the editing and, um, you know, I, the, the folks there at, uh, weeditpodcast.com. I'm trying to remember their name, but it's very literal. <laughs> it's like <laughs> they, they are called what they do. Weeditpodcast.com podcasts. And they're very cool and I love them and I've been with them since the beginning pretty much. So that's my, my, my technology. As far as booking guests, I do know a lot of my guests personally. I find that in this space and in most of my job, your network is everything. And I've been working in this space of news and business and journalism and media for like almost 15 years. And I knock on wood, I've, I don't think I've ever burned a bridge and I've left every encounter positively. So it helps, you know, now that I have this near daily podcast to go through that Rolodex and to go through all my relationships and invite people on, they're happy to come on if they can't, because it's due to the timing. We, you know, we, we keep a dialogue going. And if someone says no, it's not a no, never. It's no, not right now. So we're really insistent on making sure that we follow up with people on a timely basis, respectfully to see if they can come on and For people that I don't know, I think that the best way to reach out is to first engage in an email that's showing your enthusiasm for their work. You know, a lot of times some of the newer guests that I have on that I may not know, it's because I read an article that they were quoted in, or I read their book, or I saw them on television, or I heard about them through a friend and they came highly recommended. So that's going to go first in the email to let them know how, how and why I've learned about them and why I'm excited about them. And then, you know, showing them what's in it for them to come on this podcast. This is a 30 to 40 minute show. It's a big investment of someone's time, especially if they're 
working and they're busy. I get it. So I have to really make the case for this podcast. And Sophia, you do a lot of the outreach too, right? So it's about kind of showing them what is in it for them and maybe show what other guests who may be in their same field, who they were that have been on the show. So if we're going to reach out to say, I don't know, Ross Matthews, who's like, I'm totally obsessed with Ross Matthews. <laughs> who does like, love Ross? He's so great. He's, I've been following him since he was Jay Leno's intern. And I'm, when we got him, I think it was thanks to saying like we've had on guests like Margaret Cho and some other kind of well or known people, comedic people. And I think it makes them feel more at home when they're on this show because they feel like their peers have been on. So this is a, a perfect platform for them. Um, and then sometimes you get rejected and, and you move on or you, or you just keep at it. You know, we have a running list of guests and it's a big part of this show. You know, it's a good question that you ask because I think it's probably the most important part of this show is getting the right guests on and doing the proper outreach. And then I'm happy to say that sometimes people reach out to us by now, right? We get some nice emails saying, Hey, I'd love to be on your show. And of course, not everyone gets to be on the show, but we definitely look into every, uh, every email very seriously. And good luck with your podcast, Marco. Let me know if you have any other questions. I know it's a tremendous feat. It can be a very uphill climb in the beginning, uh, but you know, you can do it. You can definitely do it. If I can do it, you can do it. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from. The drag and drop editor. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. All right, who's up next? All right. So Tom writes in and says, I have about $15,000 in credit card debt. 48,000 on an 18% card that I plan I plan on paying off by August of this year and the other card has a balance of about almost $4,000 at 9% and a previous balance trust transfer in the amount of $7,000 at 0% until December of this year. You might want to get your calculator out. This is getting very Technical. Okay, so he goes on to say, if I keep to a very aggressive waterfall payoff plan, I could be clear by the end of next April. I've been trying to use my credit union debit card for most of my purchases to keep me on track, but the account doesn't update frequently enough on the app, and I'm always worried of going over. They say debit cards are not a secure in case of fraud. I don't want to use my credit cards, but it might help with the security and risk of overdraft. Mm. What do you think? All right. So Tom has basically a situation where he wants to get out of credit card debt quickly. And of course, what we always say is the best way to do that is to stop using the credit cards, focus on paying down the debt and stick to cash. And the issue with the debit card is that it's not updating frequently enough on the app for him to really be in the know in real time 
as to how much is left in his account. So he doesn't want to overspend. So there's a couple things you could do here, Tom. One is you can opt out of overdraft protection on that debit account. And I think that the rule now is that uh, you are not going to be automatically enrolled in overdraft protection any longer, which is that you know, overdraft protection allows you to essentially overspend and uh, and because of that quote unquote protection, I guess, or rather lack of embarrassment at the checkout when you are swiping, when you really don't have any money and the card is letting you pay for that, you know, pair of shoes or grocery item, the bank will charge you like a 30 or $35 overdraft fee, overdraft protection fee. So just opt out of that if you aren't already opted out, because essentially that will not let you overspend. So that fear that you have of overspending will not materialize. Uh, that's one thing if you want to continue to use your debit card. And, and along the same lines, don't just rely on the app. Go online as well. Go on the internet. Go to your bank's website. Perhaps they're faster at updating transactions. And if not, keep note of it in your phone or on a piece of paper how much you've spent so that you can verify and you can you know, look at uh, what the online balance is versus what you actually have spent and you just kind of can do correct the math on the go uh, as you wish. That's a little bit of extra work. So the other option here, I would say, is to take out cash every week from the ATM, your bank's ATM, so you avoid the, the fee, and just use cash, right? Um that's it. You got to use that money for gas, groceries, incidentals. That's the cash you're going to use. Once it's done, it's done and you can't overspend. So that's the other thing. I mean, this is basically just something you have to deal with until maybe the end of the year when you're hopefully going to be out of debt entirely. And so that's my advice. Neither solution is ideal. You know, walking around with cash isn't always ideal. You know, keeping a pen and paper in your back pocket to write down on your expenses isn't ideal. But guess what? That's the pain of getting out of debt. And it's actually a good pain to go through because I guarantee you're not going to get back in the situation again. Because, you know, if, if getting out of debt were easy, we wouldn't have a financial... If getting out of debt was easy, we wouldn't really... I would have a job <laughs> and you wouldn't be writing in. And um, we would be a lot better off in this country, I think, you know, that you could just get out of debt, snap of a finger, but there is a little bit of work to it. So stick to cash as best you can. Don't go back to using the credit cards until you're out of debt. And then once you're out of debt, slowly re slowly go back to using the credit cards, but only if you can pay off that debt in full every month. And if you can't, then you know what, maybe you should either stick to a debit card, stick to cash, or just use the 9.4% APR credit card because that has the lowest APR. So if you are going to be carrying a balance, you'll be hit with the least amount of interest on that card. All right. The next question comes from Abby. She writes in, Hi, Farnoosh. We met last year at Henri Bendel at the Secrets to Her Success event. Love your show. On to my question. I'm a speech language pathologist, and I've recently taken out an independent contract contractor job as a side hustle to earn some extra cash. What percentage of this should be set aside for taxes as a New York City 
resident. I've checked several sites and blogs online and I've been setting aside 30%, but I just like some clarity as I don't want to be underprepared. Also, any tips on what I can write off come tax time next year as an independent contractor? 30% is a good, is a good bet. And I think it's better safe than sorry. 30% for taxes. The thing is, you don't know what you're going to be writing off, really. Um, and so that's really going to impact ultimately what you pay in taxes. That's going to impact your taxable income. As far as what you can deduct as an independent contractor, I mean, any expense that's related to the work that you do as an independent contractor. Are you driving to and from your appointments? That gas mileage could be tax deductible. If you have to buy any supplies for your work, that's potentially tax deductible. So keep a running list of all the expenses that you have that relate to performing this job, whether on the job or somehow related to the job. It's a good question, Sophie. I think a lot of our listeners are making some money on the side. Yeah. The side hustle is the new thing. Side hustle has been the thing for quite some time. And I think it's probably the best way to jumpstart your wealth. In this day and age, you're making the good money, but our expenses are so high. You've saved everything you can. It's really now just, it comes down to making more money. All right. We have a question from Leanne. Leanne writes in and goes, love, love, love your podcast. Thank you so much for all that I've learned from you. Who can I go to for financial advice if I'm not a millennial? Yeah. So we do talk about the millennials a lot on this show and I'm on the uh, cusp of millennial and Gen X. I think I would say someone like Jim Collins, who is going to be on the podcast soon. So I'll be teasing him now. Uh, Jim Collins is a blogger. He writes at jlcollinsnh.com. His blog is called The Simple Path to Wealth. And Jim is a retiree. He talks, he's early retiree, but he's a, I believe he is in his fifties, maybe even his sixties. And he's very popular. He talks all about the simple path to wealth and he's got a book coming out as well. So keep an eye on Jim, keep an eye on his episode, which is airing later in June. And then I would also say, check out caniretireyet.com, Darrow Kirkpatrick. He's been on this podcast. So check out his interview, but also check out his blog, caniretireyet.com. He's an early retiree. He blogs about how he did it. He's very transparent about how he spends, what he saves. And so those two bloggers, I think, can be very, very helpful. And then we have a question from Molly. She's going to be getting a big loan from her mom. Yeah. So Molly goes, my mother is going to lend about 150000 to both my sister and myself for major construction to our homes. These will be real loans, albeit at the lowest allowable IRS approved rates. From the research I've done so far, it appears that I can write up the loan and be really clear about all the terms. I've read that we can deduct the interest we pay to her so long as the loan is secured by our mortgage. Can you tell me how we do this as part of the process? Molly, it sounds like you've done a lot of the work already. You've figured out that you have to basically get this all in writing. You have to say when it's going to be paid, what's going to be paid, the interest, um, the collateral, which in this case is your home. Both people have to sign it, keep it in a safe place. But in your situation, $150,000, that's a very large amount of money. You really want to get a lawyer involved, a real estate attorney, maybe a tax attorney, maybe both, to really be sure that you're doing this correctly, that you're doing this and it's not going to raise red flags. 
because the last thing you want is to get audited and then this may be being deemed invalid, not a valid, you know, family loan. So just be sure. I mean, I'm not a tax attorney. I'm not a CPA. I'm not a lawyer. So unfortunately, I can't give you help for this part of the process. This is something that needs to be left to uh, the legal experts. So worth it to maybe spend a few hundred dollars to work with an attorney just to understand this aspect. Okay. So I want to make sure that the loan is collateralized. So whatever you find out, follow up with me because I'm actually really curious about this. All right, Sophia, the weekend's here. TGIF. Yeah. (laughs) And it's a long weekend for us. And then I'll be traveling next week. So you're going to be holding down the fort. I am. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of you for your questions to Molly, Leanne, Abby, Tom and Marco. Marco, good luck with your podcast. Let me know if you have any other questions, like what you want to call it, cover image, all that. There's so many steps. I think I documented it all. And maybe if I can find it, I'll send it to you so you can at least learn from my mistakes. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Happy, wonderful, glorious Memorial Day weekend. See you back here on Monday. And if you have to play catch up, of course, we're always around on the weekends, but a new fresh episode hits on Monday. Thanks so much and hope your weekend is so money. Money.